0: Will you please stand for the call to worship? Seek the Lord while God is to be found. Oh, my God my God is here. Repent of unrighteous ways. It is never too late to turn to God. Get rid of evil thoughts. For God will pardon our sins and cleanse us of our transgressions. We will praise God for the new life we have found. Hymn number 213, our processional hymn. Pray Holy One, creator of life, the Alpha and the Omega. We live in a sometimes life. And sometimes your love is assuring and disrupting, sometimes challenging and comforting. And sometimes we feel we have something to offer to others. And sometimes we wonder why on earth you put us here. But this we do know, you are always here, calling us together, excluding no one, leading us to worship and to live. Amen. Let us take time now to greet one another in a passing of the peace of Christ.
1: Our Hebrew scripture today is from Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteousness their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.
2: As we continue through our season of Lent and we uh, are trying some uh, different Lenten practices, we uh, are continuing this practice as well from our last few weeks. Um, as we will read together a responsive reading and then have a a few moments of silent or quiet reflection. Um, At that time, you're welcome to sit and to pray quietly, to perhaps focus on your breath, maybe just to be still for a few moments, Um, or to, uh, to come to the front and to light a candle and let that symbolize your prayer to God this morning. Um, But we invite you to uh, take this time to reflect and respond after we read our call to prayer together. And then to close out that time, I'll invite you to uh, sing with me um, a short song that you'll find printed in your orders of worship. Let's pray together. God, Look at this desert. It's dry. The water isn't fit to drink. Look how truth gets buried in the sands. Look how lies spiderweb their fissures. Look how power pools in so few places. this dusty ground, you have spread a table. You have filled it with good food and plenty to drink. You have set our places. Everyone has a seat. You invite everyone to gather from far and wide. loving kindness will quench our thirst. Your presence will sustain us. Hear our prayers, Lord. we are grateful for your grace and for your provision to us. We are grateful that you are here among us. That you are far beyond these walls. That no matter where we look and no matter where we go, that we will find you. and in our weakness, we ask that you would open our hearts to receive your grace, to receive your healing, that our lives might bring healing to.
3: Darkness. You are here in our we.
1: Let's pray again, please.
0: Do God, truth be known, all of us at some times, maybe even a lot of time, are frightened and weak. We are afraid to speak. We don't know what to do. We don't know what the answers are. We're not even sure of the right questions to ask. And that's all of us, not just a select few, but all of us. But this morning, dear God, it gives me great comfort to know that underneath it all is your love, your abiding presence, the gift of your spirit, and the gift of your Son, who gives us hope in times of hopelessness, gives us light in times of darkness, gives us joy in times of pain. Thank you. Amen. Please be seated.
4: As you are able, I now invite you to stand with me for the hearing of our gospel lesson today found in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Hear now the gospel. At that very time, there were some present who told him, Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I still find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well, and Good. But if not, you can cut it down. The gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. This week I was talking to one of our church members, really a beloved member of our congregation, one of the sweetest and nicest people you would ever meet. In fact, you may be shocked if I told you her name when you heard what we talked about. For she said that she is finding the current political climate to be toxic to her spirituality. That she knows that she should love and forgive everyone, but when she sees some of our political leaders and then she named a particular person, A name I will not use, it's kind of like Voldemort. That person of which a name should not be offered. She said, I find when I see that person on television, I'm not filled with love in my heart, but I find outrage and hatred and condemnation. And it's affecting my spirituality. I would imagine her feelings might be experienced by some of you. Aristotle said, it's easy to get angry. That's the easy part. But to be angry at the right person. to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way is not easy at all. For many years I have checked a particular website that has linked itself to many academic articles and sermons on Hang on, I'm getting, okay, I'm sorry. I thought I was getting signals from the dugout. I didn't know if I was supposed to slide or, okay, it was for someone else, I guess. Something was going on in the foyer. Oh, I see, it was to Rebecca, okay. (laughs) All right, we're going to have to work on our hand signals. I was on second, I was supposed to stay. I didn't know third was supposed to go home, but (laughs) opening season's Thursday, by the way. Get ready for hand signals. So there's this particular website that I check and uh, it's linked to great work tied to the uh, Revised Common Lectionary, the the text that we preach each time. And the person who has done such a marvelous job for so many years keeping this website up to date has gotten sick. And so there's not as many up-to-date articles as there once was associated with it. And so this week, I found myself reading articles from what we knew as Y2K. For those of you a little bit younger, that's around the change of the millennium, year 2000. And even though for many of us, like me, that may have seemed like a short time ago, I remind you that the financial crisis of 2008 was 10 years ago. Hmm. So these articles, late 90s, early 2000s, were talking about some of the problems being faced by Americans. They talked about school shootings. They talked about climate change. They talked about the challenges of immigration and trying to reform our immigration laws. And now, almost 20 years later, with these problems in front of us, what we have found is not their decrease, but they just seem to ramp up higher and higher and higher and higher and higher, filling us with numbness and this doleful, pathetic pessimism. Where are we going to go for hope? For hope living in these times, with these pressures, with these problems. Where will we find a message of hope? I think we saw some of that hope here in our scripture today. If we were listening, if we were practicing, if we were hoping, if we were ready for this hope that is between the pages. So Jesus tells us about two current events that were happening during his time of ministry. Two current situations, one in Jerusalem. One in Siloam. The situation in Jerusalem involved Pilate, one of the worst leaders the world had ever seen, who was ruthless and cruel in everything that he did. He had no respect for sanctity or for religious people or for religious sentiments. And what he did was mix the blood through his own bloodthirsty way of those who were trying to have a relationship authentically with God with others. Pilate, this world leader that Jesus will soon must confront on his own terms is not a man to be messed with. And then the other current event occurred with this unexpected disaster a building that was being constructed that toppled over, killing 18 people. And before the age of newspapers and television and the Internet, it was these topics that occupied the attention of everyone in the community. It was what they were constantly talking about. When they had a break, from work, when they were sitting together at table eating, when they were gathered at night at the end of the day, when they're waiting for sleep to come. They talked about these events. Can you believe what Pilate did? Oh my gosh, how terrible it would have been for anyone to have been under that building when it collapsed and fell and crushed all those people. And you can hear them, can't you? As you try to overhear their rationalizations. Well, that's what happens when you try to buck the system. If you try to stand up against power, it will crush you. I bet they deserved what happened to them. I know it must have been their fault. I bet God was angry at some of them, and that's why that happened to them. And that's why we're okay. though we don't want to admit it. And though this reality is really hard for us to accept, but for all of its incredible joy and even the love that we have in our lives with God, this life, this experience can be capricious. And at times, unfair and nasty and brutish and painfully short. So how are we to respond? Now we have been walking with Benet Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection, and this week we are dealing with the topic of resiliency over powerlessness. And that description alone is inspirational for me. That when I feel I have no power, I am being asked to develop a greater Ability of resiliency. Our current situation makes me feel powerless. In response, how am I going to become more resilient? According to Brene Brown, this is what we need in our toolbox. Resilient people, she says, are resourceful and have good problem-solving skills. They are more likely to seek help allowing others to give them assistance. They hold to the belief that they can do something that will help them to manage their feelings and to cope. They have a social support system available to them. And they're connected with others, with family and with friends. They know how to stay connected, even when the world pushes them toward Isolationism. Did you notice what Jesus does not do as he discusses these current events in Luke 13? Jesus does not blame the victim, he doesn't suggest that what happened to all of these individuals was because of their personal failure. That they were worse than other people. That they deserved what they got. He will not blame people who are already beaten down and grieving and sorrowful and struggling. That's not of Christ. Nor does Jesus blame God. He doesn't say that God causes bad things to happen to bad people all the time. That God doesn't cause the bad. That anyone might be experiencing that is not the purpose of the divine. Quite simply, Jesus is not into the blame game. These poor souls did not deserve what happened to them and God did not cause it. Instead, Jesus says, for us all, we must repent, meaning we are to change our perspective, to turn our backs on the system of blame and shame, and to start to see the world through a totally different lens, a way that leads not to pessimism and powerlessness and damnation, but toward patience and resiliency and hope. And to help us, Jesus tells us a parable of the fig tree. Now you'll notice that this parable has three characters the fig tree, the owner, and the gardener. Let's take them one at a time. First, the fig tree, barren, hollow, and empty. Have you ever felt like a fig tree? Imagine the shame. While other trees are now trying on their spring wardrobes. This big tree stands out like a stick in winter. Through summer abundance. Through the fall harvest. It's painfully obvious. There's nothing happening with this tree. And the owner as is common, measures worth by production and output. The owner views this fig tree as useless and pointless, taking up good soil and oxygen that could be used elsewhere and put to far more productive usage. And then along comes the gardener, who is wise and kind and patient, The gardener might be tempted to give up to, but will not. And will bow the knee and surrender the body to dirt and get to work. Anger might tempt us to chop down the tree. But anger bathed in holy repentance will motivate us to stoop and get down and dirty to the root of a problem and start digging. Hope, says B'nai Brown, is a combination of setting goals, having the tenacity and perseverance to pursue them, and believing in our own abilities. I think Jesus would agree with that list. Set some goals, be tenacious, persevere, believe that you can make a difference, but then Jesus adds another essential quality. Did you see it? In verse 8, The willingness to lay down a layer of manure. (laughs) To put up with its offensive smell. When Aaron was leading us in the song, in the desert you are here, in the silence you are here, I wanted to shout out something somewhat ridiculous. In the manure you are here. Which might be, One of the most courageous and authentic prayers you might ever find on your lips. A friend of mine was a minister in Virginia farm country. He said that farmers told him during this time of year where the the air is so pungent it can bring tears to your eyes that they didn't smell manure. Manure. They smelt money. Sometimes it's in the most unexpected of places, in the most impossible directions of help that we find exactly what we might need in the graciousness of God. The story of the Fig tree reminds me of my favorite children's story, Shel Silverstein's The Giving Tree. Anybody remember that one? If you have never read The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, it's easily worth 10 minutes of your time that it'll take to get through it. But it tells the story of this tree and a little boy. And in the first page, we learn that She loved the little boy. And when he was young, he would climb up the tree and swing in her branches. As he got older, he would rest beneath her shade as he learned how to read. As he wanted to make his way in the world and begin to build up some capital, he would climb up and gather her apples and sell them as he started his life. When he fell in love, he carved his initials and his beloved in the base of her trunk. When it was time to start his family, he came and cut down the branches to make a house for him to live in. And then once he had had a full life, he came back to the tree, now retired, and took the bulk of her mass, cutting the tree down to a stump, building a boat to sail all around the world until finally he returned to that same place and to that beloved old tree. And she said, I have really nothing left to give you, but I offer you my stump where you can sit and rest a while. In Christ, we learn of a worthy calling to bend down and stoop low, to get our hands dirty, to dig out a trench of humility and hope that may seem ridiculous to the bottom-line cynics and the production junkies, but smells to us like salvation. Because in Christ we encounter a God who always has something else to give, a God who's always willing to surprise us with even more, after we had thought we had received already everything there was to get. Emily Dickinson, 1830-1886, at a time when Christians were preoccupied with gloom and doom, wrote this, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. God is the source of hope, meaning that God does not believe in lost causes. God is the eternal one, meaning that God's patience has no end. God is the keeper of justice, meaning that even the little, minuscule things that we do for good are greater than the big things that are done in the name of greed and power. God is the loving creator who keeps investing in us even when we have stopped believing in ourselves. And God in Christ never tires and giving to us and never ever stops. We close our service with a wonderful hymn of faith, hymn 840, when peace like a river, it is time for us to sing our faith and to respond to God's call. If you wish to be a part of this church as a member, to be baptized, to to respond to a special call of service, I stand ready to hear your decision as we now stand and sing Hymn 840, When Peace Like a River. to practice it, to feel this deep sense of okayness in a world that so often is anything but. It is my prayer that as we gain this sense of God's grace that is at work in us, that we can find that peace that passes understanding and that you may live in hope with the expectation that what God is yet to do has yet to be revealed and is using you as an important piece of that solution for the world, may you know that deeply and live that constantly in the life of our church. I hope you'll take the insert home. You'll notice we have a big event coming with Kate Campbell. That's May the fifth. There will be a. I think this is going to be a ticketed event, uh, but be aware of that. Also, notice the baby boomers have some stuff coming up. The women on missions have some stuff that's soon to come. Uh, Visit the archives bulletin board before you leave. If you haven't, uh, you may see someone there you know and maybe someone that you know that we don't that we're trying to identify. So go by there and check out uh, that hallway bulletin board as you leave toward the gym to your right as you exit. Also, I want to say a word to Reverend Derek Kane and the uh, youth and others from Salem Baptist Church. Uh, We're here for the youth conference at Georgetown and we're here today with us in worship. Welcome. We're glad that you were here. Uh, Derek, raise your hand, in case you can't tell you from the teenagers. Um, But thank you for being here. Say a word of welcome to them. Uh, I'm sure they're trying to get lunch and be on their way, but they may have a few moments just to say hello. Glad you were here today, and we welcome you. Also, I understand it's Hank's 10th birthday. So, (laughs) So happy birthday to you. Um, Erica, you don't look old enough to have a ten-year-old, but Brad, what can I say? They <laughs> age. What a great day! Yeah, you know it. Yeah, you're right in there. Yeah, I bet you are. Congratulations, and have a great day today. In all the events of life, may you know God's grace. Bound out for the benediction to the God who will save us, to rescue us from evil, to redeem us from failure to forgive us from all our sins, to give power to our mortal bodies, to provide abundant life now and eternal life forever. May we depart this place in peace. Amen.